Welcome back to the Say What Podcast. Hello, friends. I am so excited to bring you another episode. I told you guys I was going to try to do two a month, and I'm sticking to it already. I'm giving myself a pat on the back because, you know, life is hard. Podcasting is hard, but I'm so happy to be actually recording a podcast with a guest today, which I'm super, super excited about. I, let's see, I, we've been Instagram friends for a little bit now, right? I, it's been a little bit of time. I can't, time does not exist in my brain. I'm like, could have been yesterday, could have been three months ago. I'm not sure, but we have Instagram friends for a bit. Um, this is Jess. Jess, you can say hi. Hi. <laughs> Jess, Thanks hi. for having me. Uh, Jess Sites from she's pain free intimacy on Instagram, and I'm going to link all that stuff and we'll do all that stuff at the end. But she's pain free intimacy on Instagram, and I remember seeing your account. You had followed me a couple months ago or whatever, and I was like, pain free intimacy, absolutely. I was like, this is what I'm all about, and I was so excited to see what you were doing on Instagram and the advocacy work that you do um, as a vaginismus recovery coach and um, with your you know background as an occupational therapist as well. And so I was super excited to see like all. Of the work that you were doing and um, just the information that you're put out there, the encouragement that you put out there um, is so like impactful to people. And so when you when you were messaging me, you're like, I would love to be on the podcast. I'm like, absolutely come on the podcast because we need to talk to you and hear your story. Um, I, it's so crazy that you had messaged me because I've been getting a lot of messages from people recently who are like, I am just stuck in my like healing journey. Like I can't move forward. Pelvic floor therapy feels like it's not working the way it should. I'm dilating, but I'm not really seeing results. And just from the very little that we've spoken, that is kind of what your story is. And so when you had shared that with me, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to talk because I just am getting these messages from people and we need, we need your voice. We need your story. And so thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Yeah. They, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This really is such an honor and I appreciate all of the work you do and the incredible content you share and how open and vulnerable you are in such a space where women just don't feel seen or heard. So thank you for showing up, loving women well, and just communicating that painful sex is not okay. Um, which is something I'm passionate about. Never thought I would be here, but yeah. <laughs> like you said, my own story of vaginismus has kind of just let the roads lead to this point. Um, Absolutely. yeah. Well, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I shared that you're an occupational therapist and a vaginismus recovery coach, but just kind of give us like an overview who you are, what you do, just kind of like, tell us a bit about yourself, which is like the worst question ever. I hate to do that, <laughs> but it's like, we got to tell people who you are, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm Jess. Um, I'm currently living in Florida, but I just moved here like a week ago. Um, and I'm married to the most incredible man in the world. And we've been married since 2011. So 12 years now. Um, and when we got married, you know, you expect your honeymoon to be fireworks and stars and all these wonderful things. And our honeymoon was great, Mm -hmm. but sex was not, um, it was pretty painful. And that just, that was the beginning of it for me. Like I had had painful pap smears, painful, um, tampon insertions and all this stuff, but, um, never really thought put two and two together that sex was going to also be this way. Um, and so, yeah, starting our wedding night, it was just, I remember I bled and, um, was, it was intense. And so, that continued on for far too long, but it took me about four years to find a doctor who did not gaslight me. Um, I, you know, would go, I, I think it was about a year into it that I'd started seeking 
help um, and started trying to reach out. And I remember going to like doctor's offices and on the little intake forms, I would always check pain with sex or pain with intercourse, hoping that someone would bring it up to me because I was too scared to bring it up. And of course, no one ever did. So then that perpetuated the message that like, this isn't that important. And so I was like, okay, well, it's not a big deal because they would say something like if I said my blood pressure was 200 over like 80, they would emergently do something. So painful sex, not a big deal. Suck it up, Jess. Got it. Um, I guess. Yeah. It's what it's supposed to be like, I guess. Yeah. Uh, So finally, um, after about four years, I had a doctor who not so much gaslit me, but just mentioned something about like, Hey, yeah, vaginismus, try public floor therapy. And I was like, Oh, okay. This, this could be something. So I remember, gosh, this was probably like 2013, 14, somewhere in there. Um, I remember Googling it and just finding nothing, you know, it led me. Have you heard of it beforehand? Like ever? So this was your first time hearing about it was when your doctor had said like, Oh, maybe you should try this. Yeah. Yeah. And so I tried Googling things and I mean, that just leads to places on the internet you don't no. want to be. And still to this day, like I still would try right. to like look up like, what yeah. is like, what is it like in public floor therapy? And it's just all these big ambiguous. I'm like, tell me someone's going to put their hand in my vagina or tell me you're going to touch my hips or something. Like I need to know like what's going to happen because it's like, yes. you want to have an idea. And there's just like, it's so ambiguous and vague, like on Google about this. Stuff. Right. And I, at that point, I'm an occupational therapist. Like I, this is my field. And so I had no idea about pelvic floor therapy. I had no idea what to expect. So I'd never heard of vaginismus. I also, you know, even though I went through graduate school and learned, we did cadaver lab and neuro and muscles, nothing about really the vulva, the vagina and all of that stuff. So completely blindsided by this. Um, so yeah, I, he mentioned pelvic floor therapy and was like, all right, I'll give it a shot, show up. No idea what's about to happen. And Lo and behold, I'm, my pelvic floor therapist was decent. She was okay. Um, she was slow, which I appreciate. I've heard some horror stories, but um, yeah, you know, they they do. They have you take your pants off and they explore. And that was a lot for me. Yeah, um, totally. Especially if you don't know like what to expect and you don't know that's part of it when they're just like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. You're like, uh, oh, I <laughs> met you. Like, I don't even know your last name. What? Exactly. <laughs> we all have a category for what therapy is like, especially as a therapist, I know, okay, I expect we're going to show up. You're going to do some warm ups. We're going to have a little bit of intake and, you know, we're going to do some exercises, give me my home exercise program. I'm going to go home. But this was not, I went to a private room and the curtains there and just like, Whoa, this looks, this is mimicking a gynecology exam. And let me tell you how those go for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I, Went through pelvic floor therapy, as you said, multiple times. This started the long journey, and which is actually was another four years of, yes, going to pelvic floor therapy and I would graduate from therapy. And so they would discharge me and they'd say like, we don't see anything wrong. Like everything looks fine down here. Mm-hmm. I would actually progress to the largest dilator, but wow. then I could not transition to my husband. Um, and so did you see the same therapist throughout the four years or did you see just different ones? Well, I guess if you're, it's probably part of your story. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. I did. I saw different ones. Um, I mean, there's not so many public floor therapists around, but I did see four different ones each time. And did you just do like traditional public floor physical therapy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They would do breathing. Um, and so I, I would be told to do breathing and then I'd have some like pelvic floor relaxation exercises to do like some stretching and, um, and then the dilator work, but the dilator work was uh, pretty basic. It was like, here, put this thing in, watch some YouTube videos or something like just to distract yourself. And then, you know, 
after, I know, <laughs> after like 15 Fine. minutes, pull it out. And then, you know, it was just, there's so much ambiguity to it. So then I would try and Google things and that just isn't helpful. Because then you get 40 different things telling you like, do it every day, never do it back to back. It should be like this. You shouldn't have this. It's like, whoa, right. I'm not knowing. I don't know. I just felt helpless and alone. Um, and then, you know, I get to where they graduate me, they discharge me and they're like, congratulations, you're done. We don't know what else to do with you. And I would just be devastated because I would like crawl back to my house with like my tail between my legs and tell my husband, like they graduated me. And he's like, okay, let's try it. And it's like, so it would just lead to complete devastation and heartbreak and pain again of why, what is wrong with me? Like, a lot of women share this with me and I've similarly felt it. Like, am I asexual? Like, was I not supposed to get married? Like, uh, yeah. what, am I just not designed to be this way? Like, you know, that you start existentially questioning so much in your heart and in your life. And, you know, God says that he gave us this gift of sex. So, like I read song of Solomon. I'm like, no, not my experience. Right. Um, so just, it, it was emotionally hard. And then our marriage started having some challenges. We go to a counselor for that. They would recommend I saw sex therapist. So I saw sex therapist and they recommended I watch porn with my husband. Oh my gosh. I, I have to watch porn in order no. to have, also drink wine because everyone else has to drink wine. So wine, porn, extra lube, and then I can grab what? Yeah. I had a pelvic floor therapist suggest she's like, you can watch some like, you know, movies together. And I was like, no, 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 no. I shouldn't need to do all these like little extra things to prepare to be able to have sex. Like, like that, no. And that's also yeah. like not morally okay. I feel like to right. never more okay to suggest to do yeah. that. Like even regardless of what your beliefs on it are, I'm like, I, that, I just do not think that that is something that you should ever suggest somebody to right. It's well, not, it's not healing. It's just like putting a bandit over the problem. Yes. And this is coming from a lot of medical pro- professionals and providers, like counselors, doctors, everyone. Like, why do I need to do these, uh, not, yeah, morally not great, but even depending on your background, like, you know, pornography and, um, drinking alcohol and stuff are addictive behaviors that can right. cause. More pro- so you're telling me I need to engage in these like highly addictive behaviors in order to enjoy something that's a basic human need like they would say I heard this too like and I've heard this from so many women about like drinking wine I'm like you've got to be joking like in no way shape or form is alcohol like the answer to something I'm like how can you just say like oh you should go drink alcohol then you're starting a whole new problem and this is still happening like I I just talked to somebody a few weeks ago like a few weeks ago who said that their doctor had suggested them drink wine and I was like how are we in 2023 and this is still happening this is why we, your work is so important this is why this podcast is important because man yeah. it's well okay, so. and the kicker too I had woman I had a woman from church that I opened up to um to just get advice and I know that this woman did she felt convicted not to drink so I know she did not drink and she told me to drink wine before having sex and I was like in your mind, this is not okay, but you are telling me to compromise something that you feel convicted on in order for me to, I was just like, it, oh my gosh, like, uh, just do I need, yeah. Yeah. How did we get here? Um, so yeah, I continuing, I guess on my story, like it was after now eight years of going through this. And I remember being graduated from like public floor therapy for the fourth time, disappointed in myself because it's like, Jess, 
You are an occupational therapist. You should be a pro at this. You should be like top of the scoreboard, killing this, like vaginism is done. I know all the do that. No, why? What is wrong with you? Yeah. And so I always say like insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And so as I sat there, like, I cannot go back to this. I cannot do the same thing again. Like I, I, our marriage is hurting. I am hurting. Like there's, I have this like big secret that weighs down on me that I just like, don't tell people. And then if I do, I get hurt from it. And I just, I am a mess. And it's like, I can, I have something has to change. We have, there's I don't, and then I had a pelvic floor therapist that I've talked with since then tell me like, no pelvic floor therapy. Um, you didn't fail pelvic floor therapy, pelvic floor therapy failed you. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say too. I'm like, absolutely. Like you, yeah. yeah, they, that they, you shouldn't also be graduated out if you are not seeing the results in your personal life that you want. Cause the goal is not to be able to stick a dilator inside of you. Like that is not the end goal. Like if you have specific goals that you're trying to reach and for them to be like, oh, well you've reached what we wanted for you. It's like, no, that's no. not good for me. You know, yeah. definitely. Exactly. I'm so exactly. So at that time I was um, working with chronic pain and neuro patients, and I was teaching them a lot about just chronic pain science and this biopsychosocial model for moving past chronic back pain and uh, complex regional pain syndrome. And so it took me far I too long. Actually, side, this is a side note real quick. I was diagnosed yeah. with chronic regional pain syndrome. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And so I know a lot about it. And then a few years ago, I had a doctor tell me I was misdiagnosed with it, which was just kind of weird. I have a long story with that, but I'd never hear anyone say CRPS. So I was like, you just said yeah. pain syndrome? <laughs> so, yes, you know. Yeah. 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 That's so wild. I No one ever knows what that is. So. Yeah. So I was working with people with CRPS and we would do very much a mind, body, nervous system approach to healing that. So I was like, I'm going to try that on myself because vaginismus is not seeming like a musculoskeletal biomechanical approach. Like that's failed. I can see like some progress with the dilators, but not for transitioning. So what I, something's got to change. And so I started applying a like biopsychosocial nervous system approach. And I'm not going to say it was like immediate, but it honestly was within like a few months, I started seeing significant progress in my entire life, but also with Yes. Penetration. So, yeah. So what did that look like when you say that you did that? Like what are practical things that you did to like the new approach? What, what did that look like? Yeah. So it's a lot, I mean, it sounds like a little, uh, hippy dippy kind of stuff, but it is a lot of mindfulness and yeah. basically you're, you have two main parts of your automatic nervous system. You have your parasympathetic and your autonomic, or um, sorry, your sympathetic, your parasympathetic is your calming rest and digest nervous system. Your sympathetic is that stress fight or flight nervous system. And I have found a lot of women who have vaginismus, myself included, are high functioning women. We tend to be the women who are the go-getters who are going to work ourselves into the grave. We accomplish things. I run marathons. I, you know, do all these different things and then can accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And that tends to be the stereotype for vaginismus from my, what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And those type of women I have found operate pretty well at taking their sympathetic stress nervous system and channeling it for energy. We have learned to take that low lying stress and we create results with that. And so that was the approach I was applying for my vaginismus. I was taking the same stuff I was doing in every other aspect of my life to find success and applying that to dilator work and just like almost overkill. Like I'm doing my exercises, I'm doing my dilators. Um, or I'd have periods of just like, I'm not doing the dilators because you know, I'd have ups and downs, but I would the same approach I did for everything else, not equaling success. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is your pelvic floor does not care. It does not cooperate the same way as the rest of your body. 
Right. So it, it needs a little bit more of a different approach, like a lot of bit of a different approach. It needs that calming parasympathetic nervous system to activate and calm those muscles down and relax those muscles because those muscles cannot relax if they are stressed or if they are tense. Absolutely. Our stories are so similar in that way. I, the reason I had asked earlier, if you had done traditional pelvic floor therapy is because I tried that and didn't work. And then I do a holistic, the pelvic floor therapy I did was holistic pelvic floor physical therapy. And we talked a lot about the sympathetic nervous systems. We did acupuncture for four months to try and calm my nervous system down before we ever did any like specific pelvic floor work. So I'm I'm with you in this. I'm like, we're tracking (laughs) and we're tracking. I love that. And I've heard you talk about this on other podcasts and it just warms my heart that there are pelvic floor therapists out there. And I know that there are those out there who understand vaginismus is not so much just the musculoskeletal issue, but it is a bigger issue. It is that mind, body, nervous system issue. Um, the problem is. Oh, I'm like, I I always encourage help for there because I do feel like if you find the right therapist, it can be game changing. That's how it was for me. But Mm -hmm. it's because we worked on the mind body connection, the whole thing and going to regular therapy also helped me because I had a lot that I had to figure out in my brain to help my brain be able to talk to my vagina. Like we needed it to all be, all be one. It's not like two separate things. Um, right. like a lot of traditional Western medicine will tell you, and I'm all for both. I'm not like saying you can't have Western medicine. I think it's very important, um, yeah. but I have found a lot more result or a lot more results in the, um, you know, other side of it more than yeah. Natural. And for me too, it actually healed my irritable bowel syndrome a lot. Like I found so much relief in that, just the Incredible. switching the way my body operated. Our, our bodies like that. They respond well to that. Um, it's a good shift. Yeah, but so I think you're that you were doing like mindfulness and some and things like that. It's like, what else kind of things were you doing? Um, so I didn't do acupuncture, but I do know acupuncture can be helpful. Um, and so, and I love acupuncture for it, but I did not, did not do that approach. Um, but I did mindfulness. I did um certain types of yoga because not all yoga is helpful for me. I found that there's some type of yoga that just like stresses me out, and so I had to find like um a more not so my um, meditative yoga, but just more of like the stretching yoga that helped me. Um, and then I did a lot of visualization work, um, and that was key for me with the dilators and visualizing that as a penis. Um, mm-hmm was a huge shift because I could see. And so I, as a therapist, like I've been trained in the medical model. And so I would see dilators as a medical device. And I very much put, put like dilators, pelvic floor therapy work, all of that into the medical category. And then I would have to take a step out when it was time to have sex and go into the sex category. And that was just the two could not mesh because that was medical world. And this is now intimacy world. So I had to strip down the medical world a bit. And so I did a lot of visualization of the dilators as penises, um, or specifically my husband's and like to help with that transition, but then also just doing some intentional, like, um, there's, there's some re- cool research on visual- visualization and short bursts and short bursts. And so I did some short burst visualization work too, to really help with that, especially insertion pain. Um, and then a lot of it was just, yeah, I, I, mindfulness sounds so like, woohoo, you know, yeah, but gosh, <laughs> mindfulness is so helpful when you can get yeah. a good mindfulness routine. And for me, oh, it was life-changing to stop, just stop and slow down and yeah pay attention to the present moment instead of being all over the place. Yeah. Let's go back a second ago. You said visualization and short bursts. What do you, can you, what do you mean by that? Can you explain that a little bit more? 
Yeah. So a lot of times we have like this visualization as like you're on the beach and here's a relaxing spot and there's a time and place for that type of visualization. But I found like with a dilator inserted me, I was not going to the beach. I was not going to be like that kind of visualization. So I did more like, um, so I have a history of gymnastics. I was a gymnast for a lot of my life. And so, and if we had a skill that we were stuck on, we would do short burst repetitive visualizations of that skill and that like 15 second window of that skill and what we needed to do right with our bodies. And so we would, before doing immediately before doing that, I would do, we would do like 20 to 30 repetitions of, of visualizing that skill over and like, over. Like over let's say you're, you're working on a, a backhand frame back tuck. So you're like seeing like, okay, I'm going to watch myself run down this mat, do a backhand frame back tuck and like do it flawlessly, perfectly execute it. See how my muscles are moving. See how I like lifted my arms up and tucked. Like yeah. you're kind of doing that, like kind of visualizing yeah. that way. Is that yeah. what you're Okay. Exactly. Or like even on balance beam, if you're doing a back handspring, I would do my hands wrong on the beam all the time. And I had to do a lot of visualization work to, to show my brain how my hands were supposed to be on the balance beam so they wouldn't slip off. Um, and so it was like 30 reps of that same repeated back handspring with the hands in the right spot, hands in the right spot, hands in the right spot. Then you do the act um, with the hands in the right spot, hopefully. And then following that visualization again. So you end on a positive visualization note. So I took that from what I'd done gymnastics and what research shows to support that too and started doing that which is dilator insertion and saw that as the penis going in with that in my pelvic floor like lifting with that diaphragmatic breath relaxing and then accepting the penis in without pain yeah. so i visualize that visualize that visualize that visualize that and then do the action uh-huh. and while visualizing at the same time and that mind body connection really helped to yes. get the body to cooperate well absolutely and it can yeah that is so huge and just like seeing um, hearing you talk about that, I can like visualizing it as well. Like right before you have sex, like that kind of gets your body into a calmer state too, because like you're, you know, when you're going through vaginal smoke, you know, like you're so anxious, like, is it going to work this time? Is it not? And that can so get in your head. I even experienced that now with postpartum. I'm like, is it going to work? Is it not? I don't know. Being postpartum, things are different having, you know, tears, whatever. And so I do a little bit of that too, because when we did the holistic pelvic therapy, a lot, something that we do before we started the therapy was she would say like, I want to, I want you to visualize your pelvic floors, like a bowl, like a bowl, like as it is, but see yourself kind of like cleaning it out. So just like circling around cleaning out all of the shame. Cause I just dealt with a lot of shame. And so she's like, you know, I want you to visualize yourself, like clearing out the shame before anything happens. So it's getting out of your body and she, and you know, cause we were doing acupuncture and stuff and she would always take my pulses and she's like, I can see a difference in your body from like when we start to after you do that and how it actually does like calm your nerves. And so even now, sometimes I'll do the kind of like what you do, the short burst of like, okay, I can see my pelvic floor opening up and I'm going to see it. And then he goes in. So I'll tell him like, okay, I gotta, gotta breathe. <laughs> I got your having sex. I'm like, okay, I gotta do this for a second. Hold on. And then, or and now I don't, we don't necessarily have to talk about it. I can just do right. it. But at the beginning, it's like, okay, hold on. I need to do this. Because <laughs> I would, I would like visualize that stuff happening. I didn't realize that was the name of it. Um, short burst visualization, but I'm glad to have a name to it. I didn't realize that was the name of it. Um, I think I have, there's actually a different name, but that's what I call it. Um, oh my gosh. I like your name. So for that. Um, okay. So you started doing that and you said, that's when you said within a couple months that you started seeing and like huge transition or being able to transition from the dilators to your actual sex life. 
Yes. Yeah. And just like holistically saw great results in my life, like was able to process events better, be able to communicate with my husband better, just like doing the the mind body neuromodulation approaches really made a difference in my life. And it is a huge pivot. Like vaginismus sucked. I don't shit upon anyone, but at the same time, the Lord used that to transform my life in huge ways. And, um, I'm thankful for the journey I was on because learning this has shaped a lot of who I am, honestly, um, which is why I stand up on social media. I'm like, there's a way because I want this for other women. Like totally. Cause you know, those, you said, so, so eight years is what, how, how long you struggled with it. Yeah. And I mean, and you're always, you know, working on it and doing the practices, but the eight years that you were in the trenches of it, you know, you just feel so alone for so long. Cause it's like everything you're trying is not working, but then it's also like, why can't I just be like everybody else? And like, just have sex. Like, I don't understand why it's not working. And I know that you just can feel so alone. Like you said, you questioned, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I asexual? Am I this? Like, why did God do this? Like that? I definitely have been in those places too. And it's just so, so isolating. And so it's so important to, for us to share our stories, you know, so people know that they're not alone and that they know there's a way out. Cause yeah. I don't know about you, but when I was diagnosed, I was like, I got to find other people going through it. And the groups I joined were just like, awful everybody was so negative and so just like I'm this is never gonna like not even like I have hope that it'll get better like this will never ever be better and you obviously have those moments for sure a hundred percent like I had those moments I'm sure you had those moments of like Mm -hmm. this is never gonna get better um but when it's something that you're just seeing all the time like that messes with your mind like you need to be able to see stories of healing and hear stories of hope and it's not like a superficial like toxic positivity thing at all I think it's just we need to have hope that it's not going to be this way forever because if you're just constantly seeing things that are negative then it's like well why should I even like put in the effort and so um it's it's like I hate like you said the other that you've gone through this but it's there's comfort in knowing that like you're not alone um and so what does your vaginismus journey look like currently like are you doing um like maintenance do you do have to do any of that are you healed are you having like the best pain-free sex of your life like what what is what is this like for you now yeah I so I one of the things I really believe is that once you're healed of vaginismus you're healed and like once you have figured out the pelvic floor relaxation and stuff like and connecting that piece you're connected and you know your body and you can read your body signs well so yeah I pain-free for, you know, several years now and loving it. And so thankful, like, you know, every time I'm intimate with my husband, it's a time of just gratitude for me to like reflect back. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this used to be such a torment. And Mm -hmm. now it's like such a time of healing and restoration. And so, yes, I do. I mean, I am, I run and I work out and stuff. So I do tend to have a hypertonic pelvic floor. So, um, I will stick the wand in every now and then, and just like do some, like, I am saying maintenance work, but just like some nurturing work for my pelvis, just like I would go get a massage to help, you know, my shoulders and body relax. The pelvic floor needs some, mine at least needs a massage every now and then to help kind of loosen some tone and remind it to stop holding tension. But I don't have painful sex. I just can tell I'm getting a little tight, just like we would for our shoulders and try and nurture that a little bit. Yeah. I like your term using nurture versus maintenance work because maintenance has a negative connotation to it. And so I like your term of nurture. I'm going to adopt that into my own. Maintenance almost sounds like there's not a journey anymore. It's just like, I don't know when in the therapy world, when we're saying we're on maintenance therapy, it's kind of like a, there's no goal in mind. And 
if there's like stagnation, but then also it suggests like you're not cured of vaginismus, which I do believe like, I think so you know, too. You can get past. So it's not maintenance for your vaginismus anymore. Like that's in the past. We just, you know, our pelvises need some, some TLC still. No, totally. Totally. And I completely agree. Like once you're healed, you're healed. And that has been something I've been like working through mentally at the moment with postpartum stuff is because it's like sex that has like one or two times been painful, but it's like, it's not from vaginismus. It's from my tear that I had. So I'm having to like, like adjust my brain of like, wait, that's not going back to this. This is just because I had a tear. So like, it's probably going to hurt for a minute or maybe my tear didn't heal all the way. I need to figure that out, you know? Um, and so that's like been a mental shift for me currently. And I can talk about that other podcast later. That's not oh. what that's about. <laughs> but, um, I, but I think yeah. that's a huge point because like, if you thought, oh my gosh, my vaginismus was back, guess what would happen? It'd probably come back. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm like telling myself that this is what's happening. Yeah. And so it's, that's just this little pesky thing that it, the, the yeah. brain is so powerful in it. And so if you honestly believe that postpartum, the pain is your vaginismus coming back. I, yeah, but what, and that's why I say being healed from vaginismus is knowing that your brain has that power. And so if you were to say, oh my gosh, my vaginismus was back. No, you're not healed of vaginismus because your brain hasn't been healed of vaginismus. So I'd love that you recognize like, no, that's a tear. I'm going to tell you what it really is. I'm going to be realistic with my body. I'm not blowing sunshine, but I'm just saying like, it's right. a tear. We're going to work through the tear, but that's your, no, vaginismus is done. Perfect. Totally. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's tear and it's when you breastfeed, you're often pretty dry. <laughs> so you gotta, yeah. you gotta figure that out. <laughs> so I'm like, it's different. It's not the same. And, and our, cause our words really are so powerful. Like when I was going through some like just doctor stuff, I would, I would tell different doctors, you know, I have a history of vaginismus. I was trying to be very clear of like, I don't have vaginismus now. I have a history of it. And I do that just to have doctors just aware of my history. Um, but I try to, you know, make it clear, like a history of this. I do not have this now, but it is a history. It's in the past. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, maybe what got you to this vaginismus point. Do you feel like you said you talked about God, you're Christian. Do you feel like maybe the church's teachings on sex could have impacted that? Um, or you said that, you know, you growing up, you had experience paying with tampons too. So it sounds like this might've been here for you here, you know, for a long time. Um, do you feel like there's something that has like, you know, got you to this point? If you don't want to talk about it, that's also fine. And we can uh-huh. do this too. So uh, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely, um, there's a, a blend of things that for sure have happened. Um, I have endometriosis also, unfortunately. And so my period starting at 13, when I started my periods, my periods almost never stopped. I would bleed so much like 28 days on Wow, two days off maybe. And so I started off in gynecology offices far too young in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it was traumatic for a 13 year old to be in a gynecologist's office doing pap smear exams. And so I remember my mom would always take me to get ice cream afterwards. It's like, a, I'm so sorry. But then I think that perpetuated the message that penetration is painful and it should equal a reward like ice cream to make up for the fact that it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually didn't necessarily grow up in purity culture per se. I, I became a Christian at 18. Um, and so like in high school, we did move to the South. Um, and what I was exposed more to purity culture in like a more like broader cultural term. I remember I went to a friend's church camp and I wore a two piece. I didn't know church camp rules. I, just, yep, yep, I wore a two piece. I was, Oh, everyone obviously is in one pieces with like t-shirts over them. And so I'm like, Oh no, 
Oh, no. So I, someone really quickly handed me a t-shirt and I think that was the beginning of like seeing my body as like, oh no, I, I, I elicit, this is shameful. Like my body is shameful. It's causing harm to others. I didn't know that, but now I know. And it just very quickly took root um, in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is so many of our stories. I was um, talking to some, the reason I asked that question is because I was talking to somebody who's not a Christian who didn't grow up in this at all, um, probably about a month or so ago. And I was saying how it's just so much more prominent in, or from what we can see, it seems to be a lot more prominent in Christian women than others. But I do believe this goes very underreported. So I do think it is kind of statistically to talk about it because I think so many women just think this is what it's supposed to be like and never know anything otherwise. Um, But I was explaining to her just about the purity culture and shame that, you know, a lot of um the just teachings will you know ingrain into you and so it's hard to overcome that mentally and she was like I had no idea I just I didn't thought didn't realize that that was a thing and I was like yeah like just so many so much of the negative talks about women's bodies and always covering up and it just being specific to women and not to men as well like um I think it's just it plays such a role in our lives um unfortunately but we can overcome that (laughs) for sure For sure. That's a huge part. So I primarily work with Christian women um, um, with that. Just I'll work with anyone, but I do target more Christian women because of that purity culture piece. Also, you know, a lot of what initially started me on this journey for pain-free intimacy was I had a conversation with a friend from church several months ago and she opened up and I asked her, what can I pray for you for? And she opened up about not being able to have sex with her husband for the past three years. And I got like, I was like, oh, right. He's telling you. Right. (laughs) Right. But she, her telling me like, yeah, I was told, you know, the same things, wine, porn, kink, all this stuff. And I feel comfortable with it. And I said, I have got to tell women that you don't have to do this. I have to one say that there's a way to heal from this. Cause she was just like, I'm at a loss. I've filled out a pelvic floor therapy, similar story. And I've got to tell women, you don't need to do any of these things that they compromise your morals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I like started like shifting more towards working with Christian women and Christian couples, because I just felt like there's such a void, um, in they're like most of the, the, the help you get is secular. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, there's that level of misunderstanding because then you add in the purity culture piece and you add in the layers of like you sex obligation and pushing past pain to make sure you don't deprive your husband and Mm -hmm. like all of the things that perpetuate vaginismus within purity culture. And so helping women like process through that, what does God actually say biblically about sexuality, women's sexuality in marriage and loving your bodies and your spouse, loving your body. And like, let's work through that while we're also doing like holistic, comprehensive dilator and like pelvic floor relaxation work too. Yeah, um, yeah. for sure. Um, so w- if somebody is feeling stuck in their journey, kind of similar to what you have experienced, like what would you practically, cause I, I really like to get practical with this stuff because I, I remember just feeling so stuck when sex hurt. And I was like, I wish someone would have laid out like I know it's not always a one, two, three process, but like, if we can give like a next step to somebody who's feeling stuck in their journey, maybe they've been dilating or maybe they've been, you know, going to public PT and they're just not seeing the results they want. Like, what would you recommend a good next step for them to be, would be, would, would, what should that be? Yeah. I would say first off, like take a deep breath. 
Yes. <laughs> Take a deep breath and offer yourself self-compassion. Um, that's a huge part of just like not, you know, any pressure that you put on yourself to heal by this point, or I need to do this or looking down on myself. Cause I'm not where other people are. I'm on Reddit and everyone's talking about this and I'm not there and yeah. take a deep breath and offer yourself self-compassion and realize everyone heals differently. And so I'd say that was the first thing. And also with that, recognize, remembering your goal, remembering your motivation for why you're doing this. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's not just to have a penis inserted in you. It's for something bigger. Like, you know, we want to feel like whole woman. We want to feel like our sexuality hasn't been stripped from us. We want to feel like we are of value of good intimate time. And so it's more than just like, let's get a penis inside of you. It's something deep. So yeah, mindset, I guess would be my first thing. So, you know, take a deep breath, focus on the mindset and your why behind this. Um, and then practically I would just kind of reflect on what approaches you've been doing maybe why they're not working for you personally, and then trying to find out what your body is asking for from you. And so for me, you know, looking at my story, like my body was saying, this isn't what's going to work for me, the dilators and the the exercises. Um, I needed to know that my body was giving me signals that it was just overwhelmed, overworked and stressed. And I had to learn that I was operating out of my sympathetic stress nervous system. And then I had to know the signals my, my personal body was sending to, to, to not trigger me, but to, um, nudge me into operating out of my parasympathetic and engaging that. So I would say, learn your body and what your body's trying to communicate to you and then nurture that and, and, um, understand what it's wanting and then try and provide for it. Don't leave your body wanting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's really good. I think that's really helpful. And I think for people who are maybe stuck in their dilating journey, I think doing what you've said, the visual, the visualization, like short bursts, like visual, actually seeing the dilator as something more than just a dilator. I think that could also help people, you know, get the feeling like it can be so mundane and routine. Cause I know, um, I talk to women all the time. They're like, I just, I'm so bored of this. I'm not seeing results. I'm like, well, are you doing the same thing over? Are you laying in the same position every time? Are you always yeah. just coming back, like doing what, like just trying to insert it? I'm like, we need to switch it up. We need to try new techniques. We maybe need to try a wand instead of a dilator. And I think then maybe using your visualization, um, yeah. short that you technique that you said, I think could be really helpful for them to try and do that. Um, I did have one question or I had a couple questions and we've answered them kind of throughout, but one specific one that I got from somebody was, um, what are some images and framings that can help us see penetration in a new light? Um, I got that question from somebody. So I know we've talked about it a little bit of like, okay, I'm you like, I'm picturing my husband's penis, <laughs> you know, I feel like that's one of the things as, as you should, cause that's one of your goals that are going through. Um, can you maybe give like another example of that, um, for this person who asked this question? Yeah. Um, I think when the word penetration, I think for everyone just is a kind of more negative word, like who wants to be penetrated by something? Like, I think that's a form of death. Honestly, you can be impaled, penetrated by like that. I think that word is not great. So I think even just taking that word and changing the way we view it, because it's it act penetration makes it seem like a passive event. So you're laying there and something's penetrating your vagina. Mm-hmm. Tell me that doesn't sound daunting to you. Yeah. <laughs> I like to shift up. Um, I've heard some people talk about envelop. Um, I don't know how to use that word in a sentence really well. So I don't, I, I don't know about that word. Um, but I like to just say accept. So your vagina is accepting something. And so I think just like shifting the way we view penetration into an acceptance, like we are training our pelvic floor muscles and our minds to happily accept guests and to happily accept occupants. And so a tampon, a speculum, a finger, a penis is not penetrating us. 
Yeah. We are expecting that in. And when you shift that mentality, I think that's an important um, just shift to have as you view what is like this whole act of, you know, something coming inside of me. Yeah. Is it my choice? Is it their choice? Is it, is it against my will? Is it my shoving something in there? Cause if you're shoving, let me tell you what those floor muscles are going to do. They're going to freak out. But if they're accepting, we're opening the door and we're relaxing and we're saying, come on in, let yeah. me get you a glass of water. And that's a different story. Totally. Totally. I think that's so good. I, I really appreciate you saying all that. I think that is so helpful for people to, to hear um, and to understand. Um, something I like to talk about a lot is, you know, picking a new path in your brain, like like taking away like what's not true and replacing it with truth. Yeah. And this is very similar to that, you know, getting out those like negative connotations with those words, not sounding good and replacing it with um, what's good and, you know, bringing good things in and not having such a negative thing because art, because words are so powerful. I mean, hearing that sex is bad your whole life from the media, from church, from whoever is definitely impacting us and making us think that this is bad. And so of course our bodies are going to freak out. It's not like a yeah. duh thing. So I never wanted to feel like that, but sometimes I've looked at myself and been like, well, of course I had vaginismus. I thought that sex was so bad and people thought yes. I was going to go to hell. How do they think that I'd be able to actually have sex? Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's not that simple, but you know, I laugh. You have, you have to laugh about it. Of course, of course. Um, yeah. like we covered so much good stuff. Is any, if there, is there anything else you'd like to add to this or anything else you'd like to say or kind of leave us with? I think my go-to statement is like pain or sex should not be painful. Like Absolutely. We, God gave us the gift of sex to be enjoyed. It is the playground of marriage. It is to be fun and enjoyed. And we have our, our clitoris is an entire organ that we've been gifted as a woman to, dedicated to our enjoyment of this. Like the men don't get that. They have to share their pleasure with their plumbing. We get to enjoy that. And so we, I, I just I want women to know that this is something to be um, like cherished and embraced and to not just push past pain to get the, the act done, but it should be enjoyable. And if it's not enjoyable, if it's painful and you need to do something about that. Yes, absolutely. It's not normal. And so many of us think it's normal because you're also told that so many were like, it's going to hurt the first night. And it's like, okay, well, if you're being told that you're going to hurt, then that's all you're going to hear. And so it's like, it's not normal. While it may be common, unfortunately, right. It is not normal and common and normal are two very different things. And somehow we've lumped them together as one and it is not yeah. <laughs> just because something is common does not mean it is normal. Exactly. Um, I completely agree with you. That's so good. Um, so where can people find you and talk a little bit about what you do as a, a vaginismus recovery coach. So you have clients, you guys, can you just talk a little bit about that? So if our people, you know, listening to this are like, I need to talk with her, like what, <laughs> what can they expect with you as that? Like, are you accepting clients? Like, what is that like? Yeah. Um, so you can find me at painfreeintimacy.com. I'm on in, um, Instagram and TikTok, painfree.intimacy. And I also have a private Facebook group because when I had vaginismus, I had nowhere to turn and found terrible resources. And so I don't want that to be other women's stories. So in this private Facebook group, I dump tons of free content just to help women have access to stuff. But beyond that, I do offer a pretty comprehensive, holistic 12 week program that's designed for couples to get past this once and for all. And so that does apply that mind body neuromodulation approach. We, it has like stuff for husbands in there on how husbands can support their wives. Um, it's got like, we've got devotions in there and a, a nice comprehensive workbook. And it's just designed to get you past this so that you can have pain-free sex with a penis and not a dilator. Cause the end goal is yes. pain-free intercourse. So we invite the penis in in strategic ways throughout. So it's a 
very comprehensive and very research-backed approach to getting past vaginismus once and for all. So that's a fun time. And there's a bunch of women, we all get together and we just encourage each other, have that safe, healthy, beautiful community um, to just really support you in your journey and get you past this. So for more information on that, you can go to my website, painfreeintimacy.com or you can schedule a consult call. We can always talk about it. So Awesome. And I will link all of that in the episode notes, friends. So you guys can easily like click on that and go follow her on Instagram. She's got some really good content that she's putting out on there that is just so helpful to people. And it's just, again, so good to know that we're not alone. So the work that you're doing is so important. And I just really appreciate you being here on the podcast today. Um, Just, you know, encouraging these women and sharing this such good, good stuff. And hopefully this podcast is going to help so many people be able to transition, you know, from using dilators and pelvic therapy to add actual pain-free sex. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, it's been so great chatting with you and friends. Thanks so much for listening. Um, I enjoyed hanging out with you for a little bit. Um, and we will talk soon.